We're consumers. We are byproducts of a lifestyle obsession. Murder, crime, poverty, these things don't concern me. What concerns me are those celebrity magazines, television with 500 channels, some guy's name on my underwear, Rogaine. What about Mar- Martha Stewart? Forget Martha Stewart. Martha's polishing the brass on the Titanic. It's all going down, man. So, with all your Sophie units and string green stripe patterns, forget them. Let's go. Who is that, Adele? <laughs> it's Fight Club. Fight Club. Oh. Welcome. Oh. It was the, uh, the most censored speech I could find from the movie. From the movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, that movie flipped me out, man. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. I watched it one time. I was like, never again. Yeah. I don't know what that has to do with anything we're going to say today, but it sounded good. Well, it upped your respect quotient that was so low after last week's intro. Thank you. Yeah. Last week. Or two weeks ago, there whatever. It's just been ringing in my mind, that very loud scream that you started with. So you follow that with the Fight Club intro. Respect. I'm good at everything I do, man. Not true, but let's keep moving. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm the guy that always has to do the hard transition into the topic, and you never make that easy for me with your intro. I feel like what you do with your intros just make my job difficult. Yeah, but it draws the listeners in. That way... You have to actually do some work. Debatable. For once. (laughs) Thank goodness this week the topic is uh, pretty thought-provoking and one that no matter who you are in CrossFit, this topic applies to you, should interest you, and what these guys are going to do in the studio today is help us to navigate something that happens every year inside of CrossFit, the beginning of the actually testing of what you've been doing all year, and that is the open everyone's favorite time of year where you will be completely destroyed publicly inside of your box <laughs> with a workout that is absolutely ridiculous yet we and keep, worldwide if you're posting your scores yeah well nobody's i think i was like maybe 148 pages in on the website so people nobody, didn't make it that far down the list <laughs> yeah they, did, they don't have time to scroll that far but how many people were on each page like if it's 12 that's it's not that bad. Mm, it's like more 60 like 60 on each page. 1,200 <laughs> on each page. Well. Yeah, yeah. The thing that's interesting for me about the Open, though, is we just keep coming back for more. If you step back and you watch somebody participate in an Open workout, the main thing you're thinking is, I don't want to ever have to hurt that bad. But then you step up to your place, especially in Friday Night Lights, like we have going on at our, our place during the Open, and you just want to see what you're made of. Uh, or somebody makes you participate in the workout. Either way, it's just something that captures the attention of the entire CrossFit community. We're going to talk about it today, a little bit of the history, a little bit of the why in our participation, and then everybody's favorite thing to do, try to figure out exactly what's coming down the line. And uniquely, sometimes we're right with our predictions locally, which has been pretty crazy. Sometimes, sometimes. Last year we were right. Yeah, last year, right. We were a little bit prepared. Well, you we thought we were prepared and then we went to the workout. So you guys are going to share with us a little bit of the history of the open. Cause a lot of people who are involved in CrossFit these days don't know a lot about the, the history. They're just jumping in when it's this huge thing. So uh, maybe you guys could just roll back the clock a little bit and talk about why the open got started in the first place. Yeah. So uh, CrossFit started, I think like 2000, 2001, 2007, they decided they wanted to have like a, uh, like a throwdown competition. So they just had what they called the CrossFit games and whoever wanted to show up could just show up. And it was out in California. And I think they had a couple hundred people show up. Uh, they did it again, 2008, they had a whole lot more people show up. So in 2009, they, they 
came up with this thing called regionals and all you had to do is you show up for your regional sign up show up to wherever it was then if you got i don't i don't know what the numbers were top 10 or whatever then you qualify for the crossfit games well the regionals got to be so big that in 2010 they added a sectional so that was like another level so you sh- if you wanted to compete you first you show up at your sectional wherever that was held then you qualify for the regional then you qualify for the games well it continued to grow so they decided in 2011 to change the sectional from a, a location competition to an online competition so what that was was the first year they had six workouts one workout a week and you would submit your score online and then if you got top 60 uh in your region which they divided the whole world up into regions then you qualify for regionals and then if you got top three at regionals then you qualify for the crossfit games well I think six weeks was a little too long so 2012 they they dropped it down to five weeks and that's been the format ever since so it's continued to grow i think last year uh, there was like 350,000 uh competitors worldwide so it's it's a really really cool thing you know every thursday night uh dave will announce whatever workout they they've got coming out you have until monday night at 7 p.m our time to uh submit your score and uh see where you stack up so at the end of five weeks now if you if you finish top 20 in your region then you qualify for the regionals then you go on to compete at the regional wherever that might be and then uh, if you get top five there uh, you get to go go to the game so it's kind of uh, something that's evolved over time to to what it is today how do you verify the scores that's like the only thing I'm thinking about right so now. So there's like a couple different cheat. ways you can do it. Yeah, yeah. So there's You're a couple. You're thinking about how to cheat. How <laughs> to not cheat. Oh. So there's a couple different ways they verify it. But the first one is you can video your uh, your workout and then submit it online. And then people will go on and watch it and validate it or whatever. Or, which is what we do, you can do it at a, a registered CrossFit affiliate. And all you have to do is have a judge count your reps and then submit your score and that affiliate will validate that that's the score you got now if you do end up qualifying for regionals they're going to ask you for one video from one of your workouts so if you are you know thinking you might qualify for regionals then you need to video them so then you can send them the video so they can validate it and it never fails every year they'll ask for videos and they'll reject somebody's score because they're video they weren't hitting the standards or they didn't do the reps they said they did or whatever the case may be but you know they try to cut down on the cheating that way it's a big lesson for me chase actually is that i was going to make regionals two years ago but i did not have video evidence (laughs) it's just the only thing that kept me out so i just want to put a strong warning out there for people who are participating in the open this year if you think there's a chance you could go to regionals as was the case with me Make sure to set up that iPhone and capture some video. He's lying. Right? <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, that I mean, last year there was a guy that uh, qualified for the Masters uh, Games and or, or online regional uh, competition, and they asked him for his video, and he just filmed the last workout, which was ten rounds. He filmed his first round and then put it on a loop nine more times. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, really happened. Oh yeah. How could you possibly? And then they posted here? the video. Like you can go find it online. It's hilarious. Like and. And then at the end, he pretends like he's all tired and he lays down. On the oh, it's so bad. <laughs> that sounds like something I would do. Maybe they won't notice. <laughs> One thing you're pointing out in the history, though, that I think it's it's cool to bring up is that as the CrossFit became more and more popular and more and more people were participating, they began to narrow the filter of who was going going to go because a lot of a lot of what CrossFit is accused of in this just worldwide explosion is lowering their standards for people who are running affiliates and you know just the the type of exercise it's just a it's not a, a real 
um, knock against CrossFit, but it's something that's out there in the dialogue. And I think if you look at the history of the Open, you'll see these guys are getting more and more and more selective in who's involved in the sport and definitely who is representing the sport on the worldwide stage. I mean, those standards are getting pretty tough. When you go from uh, top 60 to top 20, you take out a lot of really great athletes that just just can't get there because they keep getting smaller and smaller. I wouldn't be surprised not to get to the predictions, but I wouldn't be surprised if it gets even more selective the larger it gets. Yeah, and and another thing too about when you have that many people in a competition, like a few reps can mean a few hundred points. So like there's just so many people that are all close to the same score that you can have one workout where two reps can cost you 30 or 40 places overall at the end of the day. So it's one of those things where, man, if I would have just done one more rep, I would have qualified. And that actually happened to me uh, three years ago. I didn't need one more rep in any one workout and I would have qualified for regionals. So it's just, it's really that close. And then you'll have people who are really good at four of the workouts that like get top five, top 10. And then they just are not that good at one workout and they might still be good at it, but just not that good. And it just knocks them out completely. So yeah, it's very competitive. That's heartbreaking, man. One rep mm-hmm. stakes are pretty high. Wall balls are the only thing holding me back, man. Yeah. Otherwise I'm there. So. I was, I went back and looked at one of, uh, one of my open scores, uh, uh, just the other day and just trying to, uh, compared to something that I had done that day, and yeah, I like I was looking at it, and I realized that uh, one rep would have uh, would have bumped me up another like two hundred and fifty spots. It was incredible. That's now here's the question I have: Is there like weight divisions and stuff like that, or you just a free for all? No. It's just the open free for all. Whoever wants to do it can do it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just so if you're doing some math over there, just settle down. So so if <laughs> me and Brock Lesnar just both decide to sign up. I'm up against six you're, foot. You're eight. up against them, brother. Oh, Good yeah. lord, you're That's up nuts. against everyone. Yeah. That's crazy. This brings up an incredibly interesting point, also about the open. This, I'd love to hear Chris's perspective on this. We've talked about the history and a little bit of the evolution of standards and things, but on in your perspective, Chris, have they gotten just smarter and more and more smart about the way that they program the open? Yeah, absolutely, and um. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of what they've done has been uh, has been trial and error, and you can kind of go back and you can see patterns of where uh, they might have they might have tried something to set it up for something else to see if like they could logistically do something and uh, or uh, or um, I like for for an example. Um, well, I guess we'll I, I want to get to this later, and so we're going to talk about what we might see later on in the open. But um, there was the one year that they had a you had a two-part workout where you had it was like a I think a nine-minute AMRAP and then you uh, had a rest time and then like four minutes to build up to a one rep max clean and jerk. Well, what a lot of people were doing was you had like a lot of uh, uh, weightlifting specialists <clears throat> who were, you know, not doing any reps on the workout, but they were submitting their uh, their best clean and jerk, and it was really uh, really fouling up the leaderboard. And so they've. Uh, they they shifted gears from there to where now like if they were going to have any kind of strength element in the open there would be a requisite amount of fitness that had to be achieved before you could even get to those heavier weights that's how you get that example of the toast to bar double under then that heavy lift exactly it's all all banked Mm -hmm. in there together uh yeah so (laughs) interesting to me though that these guys that are just incredibly smart about all of this and know that the world is watching 
could even slip up and make that mistake where in fitness they were able to open up the door for someone who was trying to specialize and that's completely against the crossfit philosophy but they were trying something you know yeah You, you know they um it's it's still a young sport. We were just talking about the first uh, the first open was in um, what was it, 2011? 2011, yeah. 2011. So I mean, it's still it's not even it's not even ten years old yet. I mean, then they're still trying to figure out you know what's going to make it you know work the best. To hear Froning in that uh, documentary talk about how he stumbled into this part of CrossFit competition, I think he was going on a vacation or something. Yeah. yeah. So he his first year was 2010, the, the year they had the sectional, and so he he said, I'm just going to go. Uh, stop in this sectional I think it was in Alabama and if it doesn't work out well then I'm just going to keep going to the beach and he ended up going on and winning and then he qualified for regionals and then he won that and then he uh, went on to the games and was winning until the very last event so but yeah I think he he just expected like hey if I don't do well I'm just going to leave after the first day and hit hit the beach start (laughs) spring break early you know So let's dig into a little bit more of the open for those, for people that don't know, you mentioned that it's uh, five workouts, but there's a very, this is part of the culture of the way that those workouts are released, how much time you have to turn them in. Can you, you know, a lot of questions that people listening may have is, can you do these workout multiple times? Big question inside of most CrossFit boxes, is it advantageous to do the workout every workout multiple times? I know we've had that discussion a lot off mic. How do you guys feel about uh, that particular slice of it, but also informing people kind of how the open operates and will operate this year? Yeah. So basically what they say is uh, Thursday night at seven, our time, they announce the workout and you have until Monday night at seven to submit your score. So you can do the workout as many times as you want to. You could do it twice a day, every single day, if you wanted to, you just have to submit one score, whichever one is your best score. Um, most people who are trying to do well, will do it twice. Uh, so maybe like on Friday and then again on Monday, um, if you are trying to qualify for regionals, then it's almost mandatory at this point that you do everything twice. I mean, the, the competition level is so good. And like we were saying earlier, a few reps can separate a couple hundred spots. So every single rep is, is worth it. Now, if your goal is just, Hey, I want to do the open and have fun. Um, I don't really care where I finish. Uh, then, you know, doing it twice might not be the best thing for you. You know, it's, it does take a mental mental toll on your body and a physical toll because you're going, you're pushing yourself harder than you ever would um, outside of the competition. The competition, as Greg Glassman says, people will literally die for points, you know. So they're going to put, you're going to push yourself harder in a CrossFit Open workout than you ever would in a regular workout. Um, but, you know, if, if, you, if your goal is, you know, you're not going to qualify for regionals and you want to do your best possible, you know, I don't, you know, do it twice, you know, it's, it's for fun, you know, as long as it's not going to hurt you. Um, if you recover plenty, uh, in between, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing it twice. I mean, it's, it's, it's all for fun, you know? Uh, but if you just kind of want to do the workout, submit a score, don't really care about it. I wouldn't recommend doing it more than once. Yeah, it can be tough. I remember this was just last year, Chris, watching you just going through the math of that redo or the second time you do the workout, man, just the amount of energy that you put in. What I, lo- what I love about this, and I know we're going to get to the why in just a second, but what I love about it is how much it pulls you in. 
and you're you're not just like getting through a workout and saying, man, that was, there's a couple of stages people go through in the open. The first time they do a difficult workout in the open, what does everybody say? I don't ever want to do that again. Then you kind of get familiar with the idea and you challenge yourself and you think maybe I could do just a little bit better. One thing that I've learned being involved with CrossFit is that some jerk trainer is going to program that at some point during the year, the most <laughs> difficult workout that you say you will never do again and spring it on you in one of the yep. classes. But then you, you get that satisfaction of knowing that you could do better or you did do better. You know, the test and retest part of it we're going to get to in just a second. But uh, my respect level went up so much for you, Chris, when you got about three-fourths of the way through that workout. I can't remember which one that you were redoing. And you saw that the clock was beating you. And you had to just say, hey, I gave it a shot, but I didn't. I did my best the first time and not the second time. Yeah, that was the uh, the last open workout last year with the uh – the nine rounds of uh, of thrusters and double unders. When the the first night we did it, it was just uh, everything uh, everything fell into place. I was uh, I hit all sets of double unders unbroken, all sets of thrusters unbroken. The only thing that could have been cleaned up was I might could I could have gone a little bit faster on transitioning from the barbell to the jump rope. But uh, you know, going back uh, when I went back and did it again, um, I got to the point where there was a couple of sets where I tripped up on the uh, on the double unders, and there was just at that point, there was really just no point in me trying to uh, trying to make up that time. So the big point here is, and I'd love to get your opinion on this as well, Hunter. Is there there are positive lessons to be learned from a workout gone bad? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So it's worth going back and saying this may not be incredibly successful. I, I was standing there watching that. You were ahead of pace ahead of your pace a few days before and then that stuff started happening and that cost you roughly 20 something seconds over the course of the few minutes and uh just something that you learn and going back and trying to fight something the second time even if you don't because a lot of people get caught up in the open i believe that it's all about your score mm-hmm. it's really the open in my opinion isn't really all about your score no you learn a lot about yourself as an athlete putting yourself in this stressful situation even having to submit to the insanity that is castro's brain and programming there's something to that you're not in control of how the how the workout is programmed you may not even understand what they're trying to do overall but then you step back and you look five weeks at all of the workouts some of them aren't going to go your way some of them are but there was definitely a plan i think we could say this wouldn't you guys say there's definitely a plan over the five weeks for that test to be comprehensive yeah they definitely take into account you know they're trying to get all these different movements different time domains make sure they're testing you know strength all that endurance all that type of stuff um but i think it does take a lot of mental fortitude to be able to redo a workout like you said you finish that workout the first time and it just hurts and you're just like man that was terrible i don't ever want to do that again but then you get away from it a couple hours and you start thinking man you know i think i could have done this transition a little bit better i think i could have broken my reps up a little bit better and then if you come back on Monday, it takes a lot of guts to be able to go out there and put yourself out there to that level again and try to better your score. But you do have the advantage of knowing what it feels like. So every workout feels different and every workout has its different points where you start hurting. So if you've felt it before, you have the advantage going into it. Say, hey, I know at this point is when I'm going to be hurting or I know, hey, if I can break my reps up a little bit smarter, um, I might not have to take this big rest at the towards the end of the workout um, and manage your rest better. Um, and then if you're filming it, you can watch and say, man, I didn't realize I was resting that long. I can do that. But it does, like you said, take a really big um, mental uh, capacity to be able to do that 
week in and week out, especially five weeks repeating every workout. It's really, really hard and it's mentally exhausting by the end of it. You know, I think by the end of the five weeks, everybody is glad it's over with. No doubt about that. One thing I want to bring into the conversation here too, is that I don't know that any other, at any other time of the year, do you experience community inside of CrossFit like you do? I mean, I remember very specific things about you guys and, and your open experiences because I, I'm just so invested. You know, I remember that year for you, uh, handstand pushups worked their way into the open and we had a conversation about it and you were just point blank looked at me and said, exposed to weakness and I'm working on it. Yeah. I remember that because at that time in my CrossFit, I was thinking, gosh, I do everything I can to avoid. I'm cherry picking workouts right now, just on mm-hmm. a daily basis. If there's something there I don't like, I'm, Hey, work caught me up. I couldn't get in today. Here's this guy that says exposed to weakness. I'm going to work on it. And now that particular weakness isn't a problem for you. Yeah. That workout specifically is, is what, you know, cost me going to regionals that year. And like I had done really well in every other workout and I just bombed that one. I think I redid it four or five times and like the last time I did it, I was like falling on my neck on every rep and I couldn't turn my head sideways for like a whole week. But I was like, man, I have every rep counts on this workout. And literally if I would have gotten one more rep, I would have made it. But I, you know, worked on those handstand pushups and worked on them and I actually redid it last year. And my score uh, would have been first in the region uh, that year. So that was after two years of progress, I made that much. And that was one of the most satisfying moments of my CrossFit career um, was to be able to man, I put the work in for two years and to see my progress, my work has paid off to the fact that now handstand pushups in a workout are, are a strength and the handstand pushup workout in the open last year was my best finish by far that I'd had in like three years in the open. So, uh, that was, that was really cool to say, Hey, this is a weakness. I need to work on it, work on it, work on it, work on it for two years. And then to see the fruits of your labor two years later was really, really cool. Sounds so much like the, uh, the rope climb incident that you were referencing referencing yep. earlier yep. i'm just uh, intrigued to know from you chris what is the the your particip your participation in the open what has it taught you about yourself as an athlete oh man well i can really <laughs> i can sum up sum this up all in one open story uh 2000 uh the 15 hunter the uh the thruster uh the thruster bar facing burpee yeah, workout that was two the first year they had it i think yep. it was 2000 2014 yeah, 2014. It was 14.5, uh, 28, 21, 15, 21, tw- 18, 15, 12, 9, 6, Yeah, 3, 12, yeah. 9, 6, 3 of uh, thrusters and bar facing burpees, and um, you know, I thought, I thought that I was in uh, that I was in pretty uh, pretty decent shape going into uh, going into that open and into that workout. I really liked both those movements. I thought I would do well, and man, I got to tell you, it put me into uh, into a place that I had never been in in my life. And you want to talk about just uh, finishing the workout and feeling absolutely defeated and humiliated. And cause I, I mean, I'm there with, uh, with my friends amongst my peers expecting to do well. And I just absolutely bomb. And I will, I will never forget. I went home and, uh, sat in my recliner and stared at, uh, at a, uh, at the wall. For, prob- for probably a good hour and a half to two hours with a lot of things going through my head about, you know, you know, trying to figure out what happened and what went wrong and you know, what kind of decision I want to make going forward. And then I decided that, uh, um, that I wasn't going to let it, uh, let it defeat me. And that, um, I decided that I was going to, uh, going to invest a lot heavier into my training and into my recovery. And, uh, to make a, make a long story short, um, uh, 
I uh, I hired a I hired a coach, hired a really good coach, and we and um, I went from finishing that year in the open, uh, five I think it was, um, somewhere in the in the five in the five or six hundreds to um, uh, to top two hundred within uh, within a year. Came back and redid uh, redid that workout uh, within a year and took off. Um, uh, I think four and a half or five minutes off of that workout, and it was, it was one of those things like it was not programmed or anything. I didn't. It was. It wasn't programmed that day. It was about a month leading up to the open, and I just kind of walked into the gym and I was like, you know what? I need to, I need to exercise that demon, and I wanna, I wanna go, I wanna go get after it again and see how I do, and you know, and uh, just absolutely crush my previous time. And so, like when I, when I think of the open, that's what really resonates with me. It's not so much about, you know, um, proving something to everybody else as much as it is just proving something to yourself. Being able to step out um, and really put the work that you do on a day to day basis, put it out there for people to see. And I mean, you know, the reality is probably you know nobody's going to be looking for you on that leaderboard. And even if they saw your name, most people aren't going to know who you are. But being able to just uh, take that leap and be vulnerable, I think, is a very, um, very therapeutic for thing to do. And it can, um, if you if you go about it with the right mental attitude, it can do just wonders for your confidence. So we transition a little bit into the why. Some incredible story there, having been a part of all that and seen the, the having seen the change that took place in you. It just it just made you better at everything that you're doing, and especially investing in that portion of the athlete that just is absolutely broken down and struggling and questioning. You you can walk around in that space very comfortably because you've been there in a, in a pretty dark place. I think what we're exposing right now is that it's not really about uh, how you place. It's about how you process and what it does for you over the long term in your uh, journey as an athlete because uh, a lot of people get hung up on, on how they place initially that for me I was checking that leaderboard uh, because you can <laughs> this is the dangerous part you can segment it out where you can really judge yourself based on everybody else in your box and that's what most people are going to obsess over not those you know worldwide numbers but if you start focusing on that you've kind of lost something uh, you, you've lost what those workouts are actually trying to teach you exactly. over the course of, yeah. of the entire open. I think it's really easy just to get in that comparison game. You know, we, it, we live in such a comparison society where you're look, looking at Instagram all the time, seeing what other people are doing, seeing, you know, on Facebook, seeing what everybody else is doing. And, you know, you start comparing yourself with other people. It just really steals your joy away and takes away from the progress you're making. But the beautiful thing about it is every year they always have a repeat workout. So you can always repeat it and just compare to yourself. Say, did I get better from last year? If not, why not? You know, or if so, yeah, hey, what I'm doing is working. And so focusing on what you can control and only thing you can control is your own self. You can only control your own effort how many times you went to the gym, what kind of effort you gave at the gym, how you focused on your diet, nutrition, all that type of stuff, how you focused on your recovery. Is that what you're doing? Is it paying off? Or do you need to say, take a look and say, hey, I haven't given it 100% this year, and that's why I, I got worse. But yeah, you can't, I can't compare myself to Chris because I don't know what, what, what Chris has done this year. I don't know what his background is. You know, he might have a completely different background than me. So, you know, at the end of the day, like you said, it's really about 
comparing yourself to yourself and giving 100% effort and see if you, if you can get better year in and year out and not worrying about where I rank. Yeah, that stuff's fun and it's it's fun to to kind of see where you're, where you're 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 located on the on the leaderboard, but that's not what you should be focused on. At the end of the day, you should be focused on yourself and did you improve? So could you help me uh just as I'm as I approach the open every year, I just kind of get in a bad mood because <laughs> I know it's going to hurt, man. We it all is, get a little on edge. It is going to hurt so bad. But could you help just me representing the average athlete? Maybe how do I define the win for myself going in? Because I think that that could be important too because you, I remember uh, last year I got involved in a workout and I'm like, I hate this, man. <laughs> I did. I hadn't defined a win. And uh, I don't know if it was the first one. It's the uh, – the dumbbell snatch and the sure. burpee—I don't know where that actually came in. It's—it's it's all a blur. But uh, getting involved with that, I hadn't defined a win, and I just kind of let that wreck my whole experience. In fact, one one week I didn't even—I did the workout. I just didn't even put the score in. It was—and it was respectable. I just kind of lost my way because I hadn't determined what I was actually in it for. Here, here, here's here's a couple wins. Number one, if you do it, do all five workouts and submit all your scores. You can control that, right? You can control whether you do the workout and you can control whether you submit your score. So say, if I'm going to do it, then I'm going to do it all out. Second, at the end of each workout or at the end of each week, just look back and say, hey, was that my best effort? Did I go 100%? Did I give all of myself to that workout? If you did, that's all you can do. You can't control where you stack up compared to everybody else. All you can control is whether you gave your best effort. And that's something that I've fallen victim to in the past is, hey, that was the best I gave of that workout, but somebody else beat me and how did they beat me you know that I'm and get really depressed and you know when I should be saying hey I should be proud of myself for going all out and doing the best I possibly could I redid the workout and I got 20 reps better because I I went to that deep dark place and I was laid out on the ground for 20 minutes afterwards you know that's what you should be focused on did I give my best effort on each and every workout and if I committed to it if I said I'm going to do it did I follow up and and stay true to my commitment to myself and do all the workouts. Um, I know. Uh, I know for me, uh, this uh, last year's Open, the 2017 Open, I actually finished 30 spots lower than I did in 16. And but I was more proud of my performance in 17 than I was in 16. Even though I did not finish as high, you know, the workouts did not stack in my favor as much as they did the year before. But I knew that, uh, that I gave a really good year of training going in. I went into every workout with the mindset that I was going to go as hard as I absolutely could. And I think, um, you know, I, I was able to contribute some scores. I, I had a, I had a part in sending our team to regionals. And so even though I finished 30 spots down, I could still look at that and say, you know what, man, that was my year. And I was just, that, that was my absolute best performance I could have possibly given. Yeah. And, and the team wouldn't have made it to regionals without Chris's score on, on, I know what, 17, two. Yeah. He had the best score for all our guys in the gym. And if he hadn't have done that, we wouldn't have qualified for regionals. So like, he he played a big point in that, big part in that. You were definitely a man on a mission, man. I remember watching you doing uh, GHDs with med balls or something like this. Guy's <laughs> he's flipped. He's gone crazy. <laughs> it was a pretty intense day. All this stuff behind the scenes just kind of feeds into 
the mystique of the open. I think we've done a great job answering why people should should get involved. So let's talk about the fun part of the conversation, predictions for this year, what we feel like is coming down the line, what we feel like might not be. Just what do you what do you guys think about this year? Yeah, so, you know, Castor always puts his hints out there so you can kind of base off of that. So the first hint was he posted a picture of two dumbbells and a 135-pound barbell, and you could see the the walking uh, path that they've used the last couple of years to do for the walking lunges. So I think that by that, you can say this is going to be a new workout. So I think he can throw out all the old lunge workouts that we've had in the past. I think they're going to be a, a new lunge workout this year. Um, and then he posted the 18.0 workout, which was 21.59, alternating dumbbell snatches and burpees over a dumbbell. Um, they changed the standard on the burpee this year, so you, you can't step up or down. You have to jump up and jump down for it to be RX, and then you have to jump laterally over the dumbbell. And then they changed the standard on the on the snatch to where you can't uh, switch overhead. You have to switch a little bit lower. So I think you can throw out all the old burpee workouts because I don't think they're going to repeat any workout after they've changed the standard. Um, I think you can throw out the old um, the snatch workout from last year because they changed the standard on that. And then I think you can throw out all the workouts they've already repeated. I just don't see them repeating a workout three times. So once you do all that, you get a lot clearer picture of what workout might be repeated. Um, and then by also saying, hey, you know, throwing those movements out, you can also throw a lot of old workouts with those movements out. And that gives you, you know, only a few workouts that that might possibly be repeated, you know, going forward. Well, you've got me curious. What yeah, you, which ones? Like, yeah, please. So, so if I had to pick which one I think they're going to repeat, I think it's going to be 15-5. Uh, 27-21-15-9 thrusters and row calories. Oh, I, my gosh. I could all, Take it back. So they every they every single year they've always – the last workout has always had thrusters and 95-pound thrusters. I don't think they're going to stop that. So that might I think they'll repeat that one. I think they also could repeat 17-5, which is the one Chris talked about, the double under and thruster. Uh, a few other ones I could see him possibly repeating 17-3, which was the, the heavy snatch workout from last year. Uh, 16-2, which was the uh, heavy clean uh, workout from two years ago. 16-3, which was the light snatch bar muscle up workout. And uh, 15-3, which was the uh, double under ring muscle up and uh, wall ball workout. So those are those are the ones I could see. Uh, him repeating but I really if I had to put my money on anything it'd be 15-5 and I was right last year <laughs> I do remember that and I also now understand why we've been doing all this hellacious stuff yeah. when these with these repeat workouts but we've even gotten smarter about that we're not doing multiple a week it's just one a week right if, yeah. I, if I remember right how, how do you feel about it Chris uh, like well, what, what do I think is coming down the pipe yeah yeah I think we're definitely gonna get uh get handstand walks this year I feel like with the uh having the the floor layout where uh, where they're having you lunge a certain distance i mean that that's something that uh that you can't really um put a number on um you know or they've they've really i think they've been trying to logistically see if we wanted people to handstand walk could that could it be something where we can get it on film and uh could we have strict standards on it so i think having the overhead lunge workout from two years ago having the dumbbell lunge workout from last year has just been setting it up to say we're gonna put handstand walks in there finally and uh if that happens i will be super pumped about it it's all bad news for me so far (laughs) yeah i i I don't think they're gonna do handstand walks i think that's just too exclusive i think 
Um, you'll get people falling on their heads. I think there's too many people that can't walk on their hands. Uh, but they might. I don't know. But people did I, have an incredible. There are people that can't walk on their hands. <laughs> <laughs> Easy trigger. <laughs> Chris can run on his hands. <laughs> it had a huge presence. At it's. I, I agree with Chris in that it's kind of been working its way down. Like okay, we just saw it at the game. Oh, only at the games. But then it works its way down and to regional to regional and, really heavy presence at regionals. So I don't know. But these guys kind of. I think they're just toying with us. They they love to throw these things out there that. You're supposed to be prepared for what is it called? You can't prepare the, for the things the, you, the unknown and unknowable. Yeah, whatever. So <laughs> I'm just already getting flustered here talking about the open and what could possibly be a part of it. But uh, I don't know the repeat. What I like about what Hunter's saying in the repeat is there isn't really a limiter in that. Uh, it's just how bad do you want it? Yeah, and that usually is an indicator of the workout that's repeated. Yeah, and I think also you got to look at the workout and how they put a workout out, and sometimes it doesn't go to how they thought it was going to go. Like, uh, remember the clean workout from two years ago? He was like, "If you finish this, you're a bad," you know. And uh, I think this is a family friendly uh, yeah, it is. podcast. So, well, we have a bleep. Yeah, <laughs> no, so, we don't. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then they had a certain amount of people complete it. So, you know, you might see, hey, let's do it again and see if uh, pe- more people can complete it. Um, I think if you if they find that more people are doing better on the workout than they thought, I think they won't repeat it just because it's already been, you know, kind of too many people are close to the top level of that workout. But I think if you find a workout where, hey, they think people can incrementally get better on it, I think that one's more likely to be repeated. I just don't even want to think about how much that workout hurt. 15-5 was I, one of the worst ones ever. I sure. remember I was down for about 30 minutes because that was the one I was like, I got to kill this one if I want to make it to regionals. And I was literally down for about 30 minutes. And I remember I crawled outside at the old spot and I was sitting on a bench and people were talking to me and I was like, incoherent like i was drunk or something i was like just just go away just leave me leave alone, me alone. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say since that workout there's been a lot more intentional uh combinations going on of really tanking our athletes in some sort of row and making them get off that rower and do something difficult yeah so i'm not saying that was the first time that it had ever happened but we have as a general population adapted to that sort of combination intentionally. So maybe oh, yeah. it'll be a good thing to repeat for the people looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, and, you know, people are a lot fitter than they were three years ago. And that's what they like to say. Like, man, look how many more times are, are up there. You know, I, I think, uh, under six that year was like a, a world-class time. And I think you'll see if they do it again, more people getting under that five thirty range, which is just, mind-boggling how fast that's that's going but so chris a movement that you're uh hoping for is that handstand walk is there something else you're hoping to see uh i would really i i would like to see ring muscle ups come back in not maybe not uh maybe not for me so much but for uh for our team i think we got a good team of people that can do ring muscle ups i think those will uh make their way back uh, but for me personally outside of handstand walking i would love to see um uh would love to see pistols make a uh, make an appearance i just i don't know how you would scale that you're a sick that's man. the only that's the you're only thing but i would love to see those come in yeah that's another thing that i i just don't think they'll ever put in there because yeah. i think it's just too difficult um i you know i i, I really like the ring muscle ups too i think they like bar muscle ups just because it's easier set up for them because they can just set the bar up and, and do it that way. I think it's a lot harder to set the rings up. I think that's why they've gone more towards bar. I don't think they're going to add any new equipment 
uh, this year, and we talked about that before we came on because I think there was such a uh, outrage last year when they made mm-hmm. everybody go out and buy dumbbells. I think if they implement another piece of equipment this year, then it's just going to be more people saying, well, hey, they're just money hungry. They're just setting the workouts up to where people are going to have to go buy new equipment. So I think it's going to be another few years before they add another implement. I don't think – in my opinion, I don't think they're going to add a new movement this year. They added a lot of new movements last year. They changed the standard on the burpee. I think that's going to be their their thing. I think they're going to change the format in some way this year. I think that's going to be their big change. Dave kind of hinted to that. Um, I, If I had to guess, I would think they're going to say, if you're on a team, you have to be on the team before the open starts. So they take the individuals off of the team leaderboard from the beginning because that's one thing that's been kind of – kind of sucked the last few years especially last year when we're, our team was on the border of whether we're going to make it or not and we got to wait to wait till they take all the individual scores off the team who's going to go team who's going to go individual and then it's like a two three four week process and we didn't find out we were we had qualified for I regionals mean, until like yeah it was longer it was, it was like it was like a like month six after or the, seven weeks yeah it was like a, at least a month after the open war before it was finally final that we yeah. made it i think they might say go ahead since they changed the team to two male and two female this year i think they're going to go ahead and say hey declare your team before the open and just have two completely separate leaderboards uh for that to where the individuals aren't affecting the team leaderboard so much because you can't even really tell the team leaderboard throughout until it's all said and done that'd be a pretty swift way to solve that problem and to change that i think we should point out because a lot of people are upset about the the equipment piece but let's roll back over the past year just inside of our box we have dramatically increased the implementation of dumbbells in our training and if they hadn't shown up in the open, would we be doing that? No, and, no, and, and that's what yeah, yeah, that's what they were going for. And they that people were getting way too heavy on the barbell, and the barbell can can beat your body down. And yeah, they did a great job. I mean, it's completely changed how people are training in CrossFit. I mean, you can go on Instagram and see people are doing dumbbell workouts all the time these days, and it's just increasing their levels of fitness. But it is a big financial commitment for for gyms to do sure, that. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. I, I was a. Uh, I talked about that in a uh, in one of our earlier shows about uh, you know how you know, whatever their intentions were or weren't that it was still it was a good step to really to really broaden to to broaden the programming of most boxes instead of spending all their time on the barbell to start implementing more uh, more uh, single arm single leg stuff with dumbbells and odd object stuff which uh, which I think is only going to help uh, increase fitness and decrease injuries. All right, so uh, I think that was a really good discussion. Uh, so I think let's go ahead and transition uh, to our next segment, Outside the Box. Uh, we lost Ben. He had something more important to do or he something. He had to get a know. massage. Yeah. Oh, oh, is that where he <laughs> That's went? That's really? really where he went. Oh, my God. Li- who schedules an appointment at 12 when he knows we go to like 1.30 every yeah, time? Yeah, I know. So uh, with the Oscars coming up, we're excited to talk a little bit of movie talk today, one of our favorite topics for Outside the Box. Um, so what we decided to do, uh, we're going to each name our two, uh, favorite best picture winning movies ever and our two most overrated, uh, best picture, uh, movies ever. Uh, since, uh, the Oscars are right around the corner, we want to kind of talk about that. So, uh, I guess I'll go ahead and lead us off. Um, number one for my number one favorite uh 1972 the godfather uh just a classic movie wow uh one of the best movies of all time um 
I could rewatch it over and over and over again. Just just incredible movie, incredible acting. So, uh, The Godfather. Uh, if you're a man, you don't truly have your man card until you've at least seen that movie <laughs> one time, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, yeah, number one, The Godfather. Let's just go. I think we can go one, and then we'll go back to to the second one. Okay, come back through. So, well, I, I have mine and Ben's. So since Ben's is you know, more underwhelming. I'll say his first. Uh, Ben's number one was the King's Speech. So I've seen the King's Speech. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, good movie. But. You sure you're not reading his most overrated one? No, that's favorite, favorite Oscar. So uh, there we have it. Uh, there you have it. Uh, we're now, not gonna. Yeah, uh, he he's not here to defend himself. So yeah. he couldn't even if he was here. Uh, so my number one was a Spotlight. I really, really dig that movie. I know all three of you guys hadn't seen it yet, and yeah. that's fine because you're going to change that. It's very important that you do so. I believe it's on Amazon Prime. Okay, nice. But uh, I won't. It's it's about uh, the Catholic Church. That's all I'll say. Oh yeah, didn't it, didn't that have to do with like the priest and mm-hmm. yeah stuff? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. What's it's, it called again? Spotlight. Okay. Yeah, it's really, really good. Obviously, because I yeah. put his money on <laughs> And it won an Oscar, so. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right, so uh, but before I give my give my favorites, I think we, I want to say, I think we missed a golden opportunity to really sabotage Ben's picks. That's a we, good point. Oh, I mean, man. we got three more to go with. And, you know, you can look something up. <laughs> uh, I, I think I'll call out his next one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my uh, my uh, first uh, favorites, I had to kind of go against the grain a little bit. I mean, obviously, you can throw Godfather and all that in there, but I went with uh, Dances with Wolves. Nice, you know, mm. great, uh, great movie. You can uh, you can watch it over and over again. Uh, every now and again, like like you get in the mood for one of those, just a movie you got you have to clear your entire afternoon for, and that's definitely one of them because it's so long. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that that one and the Last of Mohicans, both of those, those are two awesome movies. Yeah. Uh, okay, my other, my second one. We've talked about this before. Um, not necessarily what I think is the greatest movie of all the uh, best. Uh, best Picture winners, but it's the one that I can just watch over and over, and that's Gladiator from 2000. Gladiator is just, that was coming. just awesome, man. It, it really is. I, I went through the list, and I was trying to justify picking something else, but I was like, you know what? Gladiator just, you know, it's just one of my favorite movies, so I can't I can't go away from that. All right, am I going to actually say Ben's, or do you have his real one? Oh, yeah, I think uh, his second one was uh, Midnight Cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what that's about, look it up. Ben, ben, what have you been watching, man? Come on. <laughs> All right, so his real one is actually more respectable. That's the only reason i got to put it in. It's Schindler's List, oh, which yeah. if you haven't seen that movie, yeah. it's yeah. a game changer. It's a... Uh, it, bare one minimum, the, it's interesting to watch. One what, of the all times. What did sure. we say that Schindler's Lifts beat out? Uh, Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, based yeah. on if my timeline's right, which I th- it was ninety four. I think ninety three Schindler's List. Uh, no, it's not on there. The Fugitive in the Name of the Father, Piano and the Remains of the Day. So definitely Schindler's List for that. Okay. Yeah, Goodwill must <laughs> win the next year. Something. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, my second favorite, uh, Best Picture winner was, uh, what was it? Oh yeah, the uh, the Departed. Yeah, something awesome. about the Departed, man. Like it's it's a very very typical crime, kind of, sort of typical mob crime movie, but they they just do it so well, man. And the it's an ensemble cast, obviously. Like Jack Nicholson is literally nuts in that movie. It, he's super super good. Um, do I have to give spoiler alerts for a movie that old? 
Uh, no, I don't. No, I don't, I don't think, think, so. think so. Like when Leo gets shot in the yeah. elevator, that's one of the most intense things I've ever experienced yeah. watching a movie before. Just didn't see it coming. No, yeah. no way. Anyway, all right, Chris. All right, yeah. So my next one is Platoon. Really? Nice. Yeah, and just uh, just because I mean, like I can uh, I relate to it a little bit in that my dad was in Vietnam, and um, I think it really goes. The the, the the Vietnam veterans, in my opinion, are just really underappreciated for the kind of things that they went through going over there oh, to yeah. fight an enemy they didn't know who they were for reasons they didn't really understand. And so uh, I think, it, and every time uh, every time you watch that movie, it doesn't matter how many times you've seen it, that that, uh, that last battle scene, I mean, you're just on the edge of your seat with your heart in your throat the entire time. That is, that's a good point. Like, they literally knew nothing about the people they were fighting no. while they were over there. They knew, they knew they were going into the woods and somebody was eventually going to shoot at them and yeah. they were hopefully they would shoot back before they got killed. Right. I just can't imagine the mindset those guys oh were in, God, you know, just, just waking up, and not knowing if you're going to live through the day and all that type of stuff, man. And then the stuff you have to do, like just kill another person. Oh, man. yeah. Just, and, and the movie just really highlighted that, you know, like about these guys. I mean, like they, they go they go out on patrol and then they go to sleep and they're basically waking up the next day wondering if today's the day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Good Will Hunting was 97. It was beaten out by Titanic. Is that old? Titanic God, beat it. I Which it I get it. Titanic was like one of the most successful movies of all time. I think it's still the top grossing movie of all time. Yeah. If but. you account for inflation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so our next two was uh, two most overrated uh, best, best picture winners. My first one was 2005 Crash. Uh, I mean, it was a good movie. It was entertaining, but I just didn't think it was it was worth Best Picture. Um, there weren't there weren't a whole lot of of competitors that year. Number two was uh, second place was Brokeback Mountain. I think Capote <laughs> should have won that year. Uh, Capote got third place, so at least uh, you know I I don't think Brokeback should have won either. But Crash, it was just a very underwhelming film for a Best Picture winner. All right, well, I never saw it, so I'm gonna take your word for it. Uh, Ben's list. His first one, I definitely agree with. Uh, I think it it didn't make my list, but I'm not a, mad at them for putting it on there. But it's Million Dollar Baby. Yeah. Uh, it's it's an all right movie, but I don't know. I would even even on like the down year like 2005 was. I don't think it would be worth putting up for Best Picture. It's just. Good movie, not great. Yeah, so I'm looking at the other movies that year: The Aviator, Finding Neverland, Ray, and Sideways. Ray was good. I yeah. would have picked Ray over. Uh, yeah, I didn't see Ray. It was Ray was pretty good. good. Yeah. Pretty good. It's Jamie Foxx, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, one of Jamie Foxx best for sure. Okay. Um, mine, my number one overrated, uh, coincidentally, is Titanic. <laughs> I hate that movie. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> so uh, the fact that it got uh, best picture. Still bewilders me to this day. Yeah, very, very overrated. I, I can really see how, like, if you didn't, um, like, if you didn't grow up during that time, like when it uh, when it came out, that you could, that you would say very underrated. I think that, like, if you were around, or like, if you were growing up, like we were during uh, during that time, you have a little bit more appreciation. That for song it, was like playing nonstop for like a year. It yeah. still is <laughs> all the time. It was just such a spectacle for yeah, back it then. Yeah, it was. Though. It was. I mean, that's all anybody talked about for like six months was yeah. Titanic, yeah. Um, Christopher? All right, so uh, so my first uh, overrated one, I was actually, I was going to go with uh, with you guys with uh, with Million Dollar Baby, but I had a backup plan just in case that nice. came up. It, and uh, my first overrated one is American Beauty. Wow. Yeah. And and this is like, this is the reason, you know, like it, it was it was a good movie. It's um because... 
because it was very raw, you know, and, um, you know, some very, you know, like controversial, you know, topics in there. But to me, it was like, you could really, you could look at it like a piece of, uh, like modern abstract art. It is what you make it to be. If you want it to be great and beautiful, you can look at it that way. But to me, just at face value was just, yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. It beat out the Cider House Rules, the Green Mile, the Insider, and the Sixth Sense. It beat out the Green Mile? And the Sixth Sense, yeah. No way. In the Sixth Sense? Yep. The greatest twist of all time? (laughs) Good gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the twist? (laughs) All right. My second uh, most overrated was 1998 Shakespeare in Love. And it was a good movie. You've seen it? uh, Yeah, I've seen it. I didn't know it existed. Yeah, it was a pretty good movie, but it beat out Saving Private Ryan. And I think Saving Private Ryan should have won definitely that year. So that's the reason I picked that, just because of what it beat out. And I think I think the Academy, they kind of go in like waves and they'll get tired of giving certain movies, certain types of movies, uh, w- let them win and they'll try to pick something else. And I think they didn't give Saving Private Ryan because they had done Gladiator and Braveheart and all that stuff and they wanted to kind of change the script and kind of change the type of movies they were going with. So it was a good movie, but I still think Saving Private Ryan was much better. Good point. All right, so Ben's final uh, overrated pick, and I, I I think there were worse ones, but he picked the Hurt Locker. Um, mm-hmm. Like I didn't love the Hurt Locker, but it's it's still a pretty daggum good movie. Yeah. And uh, I I honestly like the, even the ones we've listed, you know, Titanic, etc. Uh, I think have very easily beat out Hurt Locker for overrated. Yeah, but, it, uh, Hurt Locker beat out Avatar that year. I appreciate that though. Yeah. Just because Avatar got too much hype. Yeah. I was over it real quick. Uh, but my uh, second and final overrated picture, and this is a, this is a dangerous thing to say, but I'm going to say it, and it's Rocky. Go for it. It is Rocky. Rocky, huh? It is Rocky. Uh, I don't know what warrants the mysticism that surrounds Rocky. As It really just says a series, but specifically the first one. But that is not a best picture. And I don't know just how really engrossed film you guys are, but it beat out Taxi Driver that yeah, year. Yeah. One of Robert De Niro's most impressive performances ever. Yeah. Ever. And it, it got fourth. Yeah. Fourth. All the President's Men and Network, too. Those were really good movies. I think I think it was just, I guess because Sylvester Stallone, I think he was probably the reason that, that it, it beat it out, just his story and, and how he wrote it himself and all that type of stuff. But, yeah. It was I mean, a, it, it, like the whole thing was it, was it was a metaphor of how he of him becoming famous. Yeah, yeah. And um, and that's actually my second one was actually Rocky, and that nice. just be, because in terms of like, like rewatchability and all that, it was to me it was not the best of the series. I thought two was was much better point. than one, good and point. um, followed uh, followed closely by four. And I hear a lot of appreciation for four nowadays. Yeah, it was uh, it was the time that it uh, that it came out. You know, it was uh, you know USA uh, you know rising up against uh, against communism and yeah. Russia and all that kind of stuff. So it was it got a lot of hype at the time. People were loving it because yeah. that's what was big at that point. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I kind of wanted to dig in a little bit. You know, I, I always talk about how I used to like movies uh, farther back than than recent movies, and I was just looking at the list. Uh, the last five year best pictures were Argo, Twelve Years a Slave, Birdman, or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, uh, Spotlight, and Moonlight. 
So those are the last five best picture winners. I mean, yeah, some of those are good movies. Blah, I think blah, blah. Argo definitely yeah, worth it. Yeah, One those are those are good movies, but they're not like the timeless movies that people are going to be talking about yeah. 10, 15 years down the road. But I was looking at the list of the movies from the 90s. Listen to this. 1990, Dances with Wolves. 91, The Silence of the Lambs. 92, Unforgiven. 93, Schindler's List. 94, Forrest Gump. 95, Braveheart. 96, The English Patient. 97, Titanic. 98, Shakespeare in Love. 99, American Beauty. 2000, Gladiator. 2001, uh, Beautiful Mind. So li- listen to that list, just great movie after great movie. I just feel like... The, there have definitely been better decades for movies. I yeah, think for sure. it's, yeah. it's so hard to be groundbreaking nowadays because like, it's such a saturated medium mm-hmm. that it's just it's hard to live up. Because like, when Schindler's List came out, yeah. no one was doing stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, and, and and it feels like they're the movies now are more trying to make a statement than trying to make quality movies. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. And I think they're pick, picking the movies that are making a statement. That's why now. I appreciate Dunkirk so much. It literally yeah. it just it's about what's happening. It's there's no statement. It's just about what those guys yeah. were going through during that time. Well, do you guys have any predictions for the the best picture for this year? Who's who's up for it? Uh, Call Me by Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Threat, The Post, The Shape of Water. Three billboards outside Ebbing, I, Missouri. I will go, I, even though I haven't seen it, I will uh, put money that it's probably going to be the post. The post. Yes. Just because of the, the climate we're in? Yes. Yeah. Take it to the bank. Yeah. I would say I would say either the post or uh, Lady Bird. Just because, like, from a, from a viewer's perspective, it's not getting a lot of love, but critically, with yeah. people that, you know, are a little more uppity about film... They're loving it. Yeah. So it could, really, it could sneak in there. My prediction is The Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro movie. Mm-hmm. He's getting a lot of love for his directing of that movie. So um, I'll be interested to see how that turns out. So cool. I need to watch more of those movies. I've only seen Get Out. That's it. I need to, uh, to get caught up. <laughs> you you got to watch Dunkirk. Yeah. I, it's I, super good. Yeah. That's at Redbox now, isn't it? Sure. I think it is. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's let's wrap up our episode with our uh, weekly recommends. Um, did you have one, Chris? I recommend that you sign up for the open. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> did Did Ben have any recommends written down? Uh, just he recommends that you add him on Facebook so you can see more pictures of his beard. That's all he had written down. Uh-huh. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, so I had one, uh, this week was a book that I read, uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, it was called how champions think, uh, by Dr. Bob Rotella. Dr. Bob Rotella is a, uh, uh, he's spent a lifetime of, uh, working as a sports psychologist with a whole bunch of famous, uh, athletes, um, top performers, mostly golfers, but also a lot of other athletes, also some other like, you know, CEO types. He worked with the lead singer, Goo Goo Dolls, all types of stuff. But man, it was a really, really good book. If you have any interest in performing at a high level, whether it's in sports or outside, I, I, I'd highly recommend checking this book out. I wrote down a ton of quotes from the book. Um, every chapter just hit me really deep and, uh, I've, I've recommended it to several people, uh, to read, but I just wanted to read a, a couple of quotes cause because they were really, really good. Um, first one, uh, that ability to take a dream and use it to create a process is what separates exceptional people from mere dreamers. 
Uh, so he's talking something that I've talked about a lot about is just developing the process and sticking to it, not worrying about the result. But he's saying that the, the successful people can take a thought that they have in their mind and develop a process to get there instead of just thinking, hey, I would like to get there, but never putting a plan into action to to achieve it. Another one was average people tend to overestimate how hard they are working, which that was that was really groundbreaking to think. You know, everybody will always say they're working hard, but he's saying average people overestimate how hard they are working. A lot of times people will look up to successful people and not really realize the hours and hours of dedicated work that they have put in uh, to get to that to get to that level. And then the last one, uh, I found that champions rarely let themselves be influenced much by outside evaluations. They set their own standards and their standards have more much more to do with the process than the outcome. They know that any single outcome can be influenced by others and by luck. Faithfully following a rigorous process sets a much higher standard. So that kind of talks about what we were talking about with the open as far as not comparing yourself to other people or how you finish, just comparing yourself to your own self, what you've done, what process you've put in place, how you've how diligent you've been in your training and how hard you hit every workout. So so those are some really uh really good quotes from that book. So I'd highly recommend How Champions Think by Dr. Rob uh Bob Rotella. Sweet. Cool. Right. Man. That was a that was a solid episode. Man. Yeah, it was. I, it I was learned great. a lot more than I thought I ever needed to know about about the uh, the open, but it kept me interested seriously. And that was that was a hefty piece of conversation. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good one.